Blog Talk Radio. BlogTalkRadio.com for America's favorite premier sports music program, Fanatic Radio. And once again, live from our prestigious studio, um, Washington, D.C., via Radio Saigon. I'm your host, Milo Gardner. And join with me as always, my partner in crime, the creator of BeFlow360.com, the one and only notorious Ben Florence. Flo, how's your Friday been today? It's been, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. I'm awaiting the rain, but... It was nice. My uh, tried some nasty storms coming yeah, in. Yeah, I heard it was great. My last class, my 235, was canceled uh, yesterday, so I got out. My day was done at 225, and it uh, felt great. It's been a great day all around. All right, once again, this is Fanatic Radio. Go to BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/FanaticRadio to listen to the episode. Call in live at six four six five nine five three one three seven. This is FR brought to you by. Odd Waller reminding you to taste the goodness and the ReadyU program through Procter & Gamble, a resource that provides content, experiences, and solutions needed to look and feel good, excel socially, get a job, and save money. Visit the ReadyU Facebook page to show your support. Gotta love the progress of Procter & Gamble. Use my wonderful Old Spice today. Absolutely. But, uh, Flub, uh, big news in sports. The huge weekend in sports, especially here uh, for American University Athletics as well as uh, professional sports and collegiate sports as well. But nothing is more bigger than the NFL refs getting a standing ovation last night in yeah. M&T Bank Stadium. Are you happy the refs are back? Are you one of those people that would give them a standing ovation? Absolutely. I mean, everyone wanted the regular refs to be back. Even though I did see uh, Cortland, he was one. I actually liked the uh, regular uh, professional refs because he said that they let you play, which, I mean... I disagree 100%, but, yeah, I am really happy that the refs are back. We need them back, not just because it wasn't that they were making bad calls, which they were, but the regular refs made bad calls every now and again. But it's just they had no control over the game. The games were getting out of hand. So, fortunately, they're back. I'd give them a standing go. I'll give them a standing go right now. It's interesting when you mention that because – it's a profession that everyone loves to hate. So when you are talking about replacement refs and and now the regular refs come back, actually Ed Hockley, one of the uh, prestigious officials in the NFL, was quoted saying in the USA Today that we use situations that occur as learning opportunities, not to be critical, but as learning opportunities, close quote. So for the man himself, who actually uh, was reported on Twitter saying he did push-ups when he found out the lockout was over, no, that wasn't. I I think that was a joke. That was satire. He said, "I'm I'm pretty certain that's a joke." It'd be very cool if he was. Yeah. Uh, do you even run a law firm? I did not know that. I did know that. I I did a little research on what these guys do because I'm like these guys. These guys can hold out because so many of them, bunch of them are reti- either retired guys, or they um. Or a couple of them are retired. Some of them are lawyers, entrepreneurs, and small businesses. So these guys, it wasn't like you know they're relying on the NFL for income. Right. So. I'm glad they're back though. I mean, at least to have the good professionals. Of course, again, I've got to hand it to the guys from the D3. And so I heard some high school, middle school reps as well in that mix yeah. of replacement reps. I don't know about middle school, but there were a bunch of small colleges, right. junior uh, colleges. Yeah. Kind of handsome. I mean, pretty certain Douglas Bell was uh, one of the best. I know, right? Apparently, you were as well. Made a flow, made a, I was. Flo made a cameo. I, was. I believe it was at the Seahawks game. Yeah, no. <laughs> Your thoughts on that? It's been a week. 
Of course, the refs coming back on Wednesday couldn't have been more perfect timing. Is that pretty much made you know national news and then some? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was so they're, they're your pack. The it was pack it was attack. getting to be a national story that the refs were. It was just getting to be a joke, but there hadn't been the point where there was the one game where or the where it was directly decided on a refs call, on a blown call, and that's what happened on Monday night. It was just. It was completely ridiculous. And you know what I thought what was shocking is that there were the two refs that ran right to him. The first one, who had the best view, ruled touchback. The second one ruled touchdown. And then because on a call like that, they can't – they were not able to review – they were not able to give the guy the interception. They could only review the ball hit the ground was he out of bounds. So it was just, just complete incompetence, just a disgrace to the league. And Peter King uh, yesterday was on Morning Joe on MSNBC. It's like, yeah, there was no way they could send replacement refs to Green Bay this weekend, which, uh, yeah, obviously. So it, this really – because apparently Monday night they were – Monday they met all throughout the day, and this definitely, like, pushed them, like, all right, we need to get a deal done. We need to cut the crap, cut the nonsense on both sides. And get these refs back. And it's interesting that you mentioned that the referees shouldn't return to Green Bay because an interesting story popped up that has uh, strange ties to uh, our school at American University. Yeah. Hitting hitting Deadspin today, or hitting Deadspin earlier this week with a tidbit from Amanda Zimmer. Shout out to her from uh, working at Comcast, an AU alum as well. Apparently, uh, a guy who graduated American he was a guy who's good friends with Tyler Tomei. He was. Tyler actually told me about the story. I'm like, wait, what? So long story short, I guess if you can easily Google it, but a guy, American grad, I guess we should be for the sake of safety, not to reveal this, this guy's name. But a friend of our own, T-squared, actually uh, Hawk Lugie of the NFL headquarters in Manhattan. Hawk Lugie. the first one was not strong enough. He's <laughs> not strong enough. But, but it was, the interesting thing was, I mean, of course, the fact that he wanted a major, thought he was a major, there was a major protest, and there was only like two or three people there. Uh, and so spit on the NFL headquarters in Manhattan and walked away. And the interesting thing is it ties to flow because he's wearing an Aaron Rodgers jersey. And ironically, the wonderful drawstring backpack he was wearing had our AU logo on yeah, it. That's, that's great. So once again, uh, our, our school getting publicity for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. I've got to admit, uh, props to uh, the Burma Burmese speaker coming in. I think it was last week? I have no idea. Oh. Very excited. Uh, wish I knew that. My mom, my mom knows her name by heart. But uh, riveting speaker. Did the entire thing in Bur- in Burmese, so it was awesome to see that all these monks came in, and everything. And she's uh, a huge political activist. Is our house for twenty years, so kudos to our school, but not kudos to this moron. To that, but um, so so now looking forward to the week of NFL. Any big games that stick out in your mind? I know Tyler Tomato sent my Cowboys play on Monday night against the Bears, which according to uh, Jaron Berman and the wonderful uh, Sports on Red Zone said it's going to be a tie. Well, Jaron Burr was actually not on the segment. It was uh, Dom, Dom, Dom King. Dom, Dom King. Uh, Dom King and Thomas King of the Hill. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the two kings and somebody else. Um, but in terms of the games this weekend, uh, the game I'm really looking forward to is uh, – I need to pull this back up. But the game I am looking forward to here is we are in week four is – Wow, I just completely All right, I'm just going to cop out because the game I was thinking of is not this week. So, a game I'm looking forward to, Packers-Saints. Both teams need to win. The Packers, they had that well, I know it's a cop-out because I am a Packers fan. But it's a good cop-out. The, the Packers really need to win. They're now 1-2 and two after what happened on Monday night. I'm not going to go further any further into it. and But they really need to win. And the Saints are 0-3 right now. The I thought it was going to be a disaster when they're like, all right, we're going to have our interim coach be a coach that's suspended, so we need an interim interim coach, which I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. It has been a disaster. The defense has been atrocious, and Drew Brees has been pretty inconsistent. So the Saints, they really need a win badly as well, or else their season is really going to go south. Well, I know, because the Saints' defense has been really poorly. Oh, 
Uh, I believe it's the worst in the NFL. They did been gash, and there was no reason why they should have lost that game to the Chiefs. They were up by eleven. Thirteen, the, actually, I think it was thirteen, 13 but they were up by eleven at one point as right. well, and they just or it was thirteen. I don't know, whatever. And they had a double-digit lead, and they blew it away to Kansas City. It's just unacceptable. That was a game. And Kansas City came in uh, two bad losses coming that in. That is true. They got drummed by the Bills. Yeah, and, and then the week before, they, yeah, they played Atlanta. Atlanta. They played them tight until they fell apart in the second half. But, um, yeah, but we're heading the Patriots to bounce back. Yeah. Uh, costly loss to them, Bill Belichick, very upset. Mm, very upset. Uh, even even your boy uh, Chris Collins was confused in utter chaos on uh, <laughs> Sunday Night Football. Dylan showed Sports Zone very angry. Thinks that all the call bad ref calls were against the Patriots. They obviously weren't because he's were, a Pats fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, one of those Boston natives, those Boston clowns. But um, yeah, they really needed to add that. Really, just they gave that game away against. New England, when they had every or against Arizona, they had every chance to win, and they blew it hard. And That's Buffalo came, comes in; they're reeling right now. They did have that big win, that nice win, two wins in a row actually. But they're also will, will likely be without C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson. He, there are rumors he may come back, but I'd be surprised. So, it the NFL, yeah. Any other big games? Peyton Manning? Um, the Broncos. I'm trying to recall right now. I'm having a little bit of a brain for it. Let me pull this bad boy up. A big game, I think, is also going to be a Monday night game. Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys. Well, it's a tie. The tie game. Yeah. The tie game. I mean, you got to be kidding me. It could easily go one day. But before I'm going to have to cut you short because right now we have a very special guest on the line. He is uh, he's a WT of DOP Washington Capitals correspondent. Zach Drescher joins us here on Fanatic Radio to talk NHL lockup. Well, first off, how are you, my friend? How has it been? Wait, am I on? Is this is this going on, live here? Fanatic Radio. <laughs> yeah, you are on We told right you. We told you. You're calling. Can I, can, I, can I just say that your calling system makes no sense? We try our best here on Block Talk. Radio. Also, also I'm hearing an echo of myself. Echo. Are you hearing an echo of myself? I'm hearing your voice. We're hearing your voice. Okay, that's good. As long as you're not hearing my voice twice, then nope. we're going to be fine. You're more. Yo, who who all who all is there? Is it you and Flo? Just me and Flo in the studio we're in a, today. We're in a, we're in a Flo, what's up, guys? Hey. Hello. Hello. Let's say how is um first of all how is everything uh, now that you officially left the wonderful campus of American University uh, what endeavors have because we had Eric Wilson on the show last week and apparently it's been sort of rocky for him ever since he graduated. Wait, was that a question? Wait, yeah, I, I, I missed like half of that. I missed half of that. <laughs> Wondering what are you up to? Oh yeah, yo, no, I'm um, I'm holding down the fort over here. I got two jobs. Uh, both of them are part-time, and I am surviving in the dog-eat-dog world of Montgomery County. There we go. Very nice. There we go. Now, uh, is there any way you can help us explain a little bit of the NHL lockout and where it stands as of now? All right. All right, so basically here's what's going on. Um, you, 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 You remember that in 2004... The NHL lost an entire season, right? That was bad. That was bad. And uh, the players eventually caved in, like, I think I want to say, like, March or April or something. You know, uh, like, what would have been the last month of the regular season. And basically, they got totally boned on their deal. They got their salary, I believe it was, like, 24% salary rollback across the board. Got a hard cap in place. Basically, Gary Bettman just tooled with them. Uh, and their whole idea going into this negotiation is that's not going to happen again. The players are standing up for themselves this time. They're making a big show saying, you know, we're not going to let Gary Bettman uh, boss us around. I was listening uh, a couple weeks ago that 
you know, uh, Dan Levitard said that eventually if the, Gary Bettman had his way, he would be playing, paying player salary in Outback Steakhouse coupons. And that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> Bettman is just, uh, is, is, is maybe his mission to lower player salaries as much as possible. And the players now realize they have to do something about that. And so this is why you are seeing such a standoff here. Nobody's really willing to budge because neither wants to wants to be the one that caves and they each have are dug into their positions uh, so so strongly. So you you're you're on the side of the players then. Not necessarily. Um I think both sides are 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 to blame, but I mean if you look at it as a negotiation, both sides are you know, they 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 both have good points. I mean, Gary Bettman is responsible for growing the league quite a bit. Uh, league revenues were, at, I believe, $3.3 billion last year, which is way more than it was uh, before the lockout. So, obviously, the system he put in worked to some extent, whether it has to do with the, the uh, collective bargaining agreement or the other things. So, you can't argue with the fact that Bettman is a good commissioner. On the other hand, um, he is... He, I mean, it's kind of like you saw with the, the, the you know the, the NFL refusing to budget the referee lockout. You got three point three billion dollars last year. Why can't you just pay the free, pay the freaking players? Um, I don't think it's going. I I, I think eventually they're going to come to uh, they're going to find a middle ground and come to an agreement because they did have such a, a steep increase in popularity and revenue over the last few years they realized that a canceled season would uh, really set them back. And I think if they, if they, if you go on the notion that, you know, the revenues are going to continue to increase, you know, the size of the metaphorical pie is going to increase, it doesn't really matter, you know, how big your slice of that pie is if that slice is continuously getting better year after year. So, my hope and my thinking is that we're going to see something like what the NBA did last year, where you come in on Christmas Day, you have an abbreviated season, and by you know you know by February everybody's forgotten that there ever was a lockout in the first place. Yeah, how much of a role? Because like you mentioned, the NHL Players Association was a mess during the 0405 lockout. How much right. of a role do you believe that their new union head uh, Donald Fear, who was the right. union read when uh, the MLB player strike in 1994. How big of a right. role was him, the the player association bringing him in? How big of a role do you believe that has to why they're in a lockout right now? Well, they, well they, okay, well, you figure Gary Bettman got his job because he's like the best lawyer in the world. So they had to bring on somebody with the stones to go head-to-head with Gary Bettman and not blink. And that's who they thought Donald Fair as. Um, and that's, you know, so yes, while Gary Bettman is being, you know, totally stubborn and not budging on any of his issues, Donald Fair is doing the exact same thing, and that's why he was hired, so that he doesn't budge, and he gets Gary Bettman uh, to, you know, come to his senses a little bit. And hopefully that's what you see coming out of this weekend's talks. Uh, I just saw on Twitter Donald Fair has joined Gary Bettman at the negotiating table in New York this afternoon. They're scheduled to have talks throughout the weekend. Um, and hopefully you see the reporting is, you know, you start to see people creeping towards a middle ground. Uh, if the reporting is that they're not, one side is, you know, not even trying to negotiate, then you could be in for some really long uh, hockey with stretch here. Um, because I do think both sides realize that, you know, there's a lot of money to be made here for both sides if you actually put the players out on the ice. Um, just an aside, I, found, I think this has happened a few times over the summer where, you know, the, the NHL and the NHLPA schedule these big talks and schedule for a weekend. I'm not really sure what the thinking is behind that. I don't know why you have your big contract negotiations during the weekend. Like, since there's no hockey, it seems like that would make the most sense to take place during the work week. That's just me, though. Well, I mean, I I get all my major negotiations on the weekend. I don't know what you guys do. Oh, yeah? You, you, you negotiate your contract with Blog Talk Radio? You get that on, on Saturday night? No, I'm talking about sponsorships with the blog. Yeah, oh, great. yeah? I did have a few shots of Kalula in him. 
Okay. All right. We got to go to a commercial break, but once again, Zach Drescher, thank you so much for helping us break down the NHL lockout. And, I, of course, we agree with you as well. I feel like it will be an abbreviated season. But more importantly, we want hockey to come back in full swing. And come back and save sports. Nah, that's not happening. It's all you guys from now on. That ship has sailed. That's what I feared. All right. Thanks for your call, Zach. All right. Thank you for joining us on the show, by the way. What? Thank you for joining us on the show, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. No, my my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. It was a, uh, a sports and alum. Yeah. Former producer, An Zach American Drescher. hero. American Zach hero, Zach Drescher. Now we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll break down college football because apparently Flo has a prediction that a certain Florida team is going to run the table and dethrone the SEC. But stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Fanatic Radio here on blogtalkradio.com, brought to you by Oddwall and the Radio Program. Once again, you can always check out the episode, the podcast on iTunes. Search Fanatic Radio and look for the colorful radio tower with the colorful waves. Once again, Miles Gardner, Ben Florence, joining you live from uh, Washington, D.C. Satellite via Radio Saigon. Yeah. Also, also, don't forget to check out uh, Flo's blog, bflow360.com. Follow him on Twitter as well, which we will get to momentarily. Oh, good. But for now, let's talk some Ryder Cup. Yeah. Something, something Flo wanted to do on the uh, the show Sports Zone last night. Uh, of course, it was shot down yeah. by our boy CED, but yeah. there's no hating on him. Jerk. 
Apparently, the United States is doing very well. It's what, day two? Uh, yes, I believe day two. Day two, and so the United States is currently up 3-2. Anyone you can explain to our listeners how the Ryder Cup actually works? Because we have a lot of golf fans out there, a big constituent after Brandon Esposito joined us last year to break down the Masters. But uh, the Ryder Cup's a little different than that. I, I honestly do not know how the Ryder Cup scoring works. What? I, I, I don't. Um, it's something I was always confused about, but I've never been certain how the scoring works. I know it's America versus... Europe, and I know we also have one since 2008, but as of right now, we are leading 3-2. I think, if I'm getting the gist of this, I think it's pairings. Yes, that's what I believe it's pairings, and I think they play some four ball, they play play some other pairing. I I really don't know. Like, I have a (laughs) golf fan, but I've never really followed the Ryder Cup as much as I should. It's disappointing, but... I'm a disappointing guy, so there you go. But essentially, this has to be the United States' best chance since 2008, because four years is a long time, especially in golf, the way that uh, players have ebbs and flows. Because essentially, in 2008, that was uh, the Tiger Woods thing. He's never been the same since, right? Yes, yes, that's right. And he's on the team. Yes. He he has never really played great in the Ryder Cup. So, And I remember him saying, I think it was last week, so like, yeah, I, I take a lot of blame why the U.S. has not been very good of late in the Ryder Cup, because I, him himself, has not played very well. And it's tough, because Euro's got a bunch of guys. you got Graham McDowell. You're looking at USA Today right now. He's pictured. Uh, he's at the top of his game. And Roy McIlroy as well. Roy McIlroy's at the top of his game. So, these Euro guys. They're the other guys. Martin Keimer, who is number one. Yeah, for, are for, da- for, they are damn good. And, of course, the United States, they hold their own as well. Uh, Webb Simpson, the guy who won the U.S. Open. Uh, with the with the bird, yeah. with the Birdman yep. guy came yep. out. Uh, him, Lefty, <laughs> Tiger. Some other names. Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk. You think you think he's been he playing great of think, late? Of course, yeah, because he what he got to the he was one of the final two in the British Open, I believe, or U.S. Open actually. Yes. Made a made a charge at the end. So this is essentially the United States' best chance to win, especially how well the Europeans are playing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you know the. This, even with the Euros, are playing really well. But the USA, they're playing well right now. They they do have a good shot to uh, to hopefully win for the first time since 2008. You know, this, whenever you watch the golf is a European sport. It's their sport. It's like, you know, USA, Canada, hockey. So, but I think we definitely could win. But you know what is not a European sport and the wholesome sport of America? NASCAR. Yeah. As we continue our extensive chase coverage, quick soundbite that we wanted to play uh, last week, but might as well get it out there now. Shout out to our boy AJ Almendinger on being reinstated. And that was that was with Race Hub. Almondinger joined. He actually was a special guest with Roger Penske at the IZOD IndyCar yeah, season finale. True. So you could have him either go back to open wheel. But Flo, you said you had some undercover news about Almondinger. Yeah, it's not really undercover, but Lee Spencer is one of the top NASCAR reporters at Fox. Oh, Fox Sports, yeah. Yes, and... Shout out to Lee. She... Avid listener of our show, too. Yeah, she should be, as everyone should be. So what happened was, Kurt Busch is now going to... He was in Phoenix racing this year, underfunded team, the 51, running for James Finch. Had some uh, struggles, uh, some good runs, and they got that third place at Sonoma. But Kurt Busch is now going to uh, Furniture Row Racing, the 78 Chevrolet. She will be running actually after Talladega. Regan Smith, who's had a really good year. Remember, they had that, that win last year, that very surprising win. at Darlington, yeah. They got marred by the Kevin Harlett, Harvick, Kyle Busch. I know you got some Kyle Busch stuff coming up. In the uh, and Charlie, but he'll be heading to the 78. Kurt Busch will. They have uh, Quillen with uh, Richard Childress and James Finch, who runs Phoenix Racing. He's uh, there's been rumors he's looking at Regan Smith. 
maybe a couple of nationwide guys, James Busher, who did run with him in nationwide. Yeah, shout out, shout out, shout out to my boy Busher. I got a chance to meet him this summer. There you go. Uh, he's a Plano, Texas native. Just, he actually swept the Kentucky. Looking weekend. at Justin Algar as well, and also as where our connection comes in, looking at AJ Almadigo potentially as well. So uh, anything to fill that fifty-one car. I want to keep Finch in racing, but uh, back to Kyle Busch though. Uh, Sour Apple did not make the chase, proposing that NASCAR should change the point system. And this could have not have come at a more perfect time, because watching New Hampshire last week, mm-hmm. one of the things my dad noticed was Jeff Gordon, uh, shout out to his mustache, shout out to Flo's mustache oh, as yeah. well. Legends grow the stash as I am currently working <laughs> there on There we go. Mustache hour. I think Andy Hirsch has a mustache, too. Oh, that's great. Lake, uh, the great Andy Hirsch. <laughs> So anyway, uh, my dad noticed that Jeff Gordon's third place finish basically got him two points. He entered in the weekend minus forty-seven. Great uh-huh. third place finish, great run. Ha- didn't even admit it. He didn't have a top te- a top car to beat Denny Hamlin, who is red hot by the way, as we predicted a couple weeks back when the chase began at Chicagoland. But my dad noticed that you know a great finish. He didn't get rewarded for it because. Basically, after a long phone conversation, a shout-out to Steve Gardner, might add, he basically came to the conclusion that when, when the points are reset, it's not like it's not like an actual playoff system. Yeah. Because in the NFL, the NBA, uh, the 32 teams play, and then it's separated down to the setting of the 16 for... Yeah, the NBA, NBA and NHL, it goes from 30 to 16. The NFL, it goes from 32... To, um, it's six. It's uh, twelve. Or, twelve. So thirty-two to twelve. It's six in baseball, right? Yeah. But how do we know in baseball it is? It's now. Well, it's now right two wild cards. Yeah, because they had the two wild cards. Three. To, so it's now ten. So ten. Thirty to ten. Which is perfect because that, that's almost very similar to NASCAR. Yeah. And so, but you notice that the other teams aren't, aren't allowed a player don't exist. NASCAR's tricky though because you still have forty-three guys out there, mm-hmm. but you have twelve guys competing yeah. for the championship. And so what my dad and I came up with, ironically, as Mr. Bush said, is the guys that are, because what NASCAR does now is they continue to use that point system. And, of course, with um, with everyone competing for points and, and the specified 12 guys racing, it gets, you know, all fouled up. Because essentially you have Jeff Gordon who does really bad against Chicago, Chicagoland, but then comes back and has a great finish. But then you have guys like Truex and Matt Kenseth that just finished outside the top ten yet keep their spot and hardly lose anything for a not for a subpar finish. So what Kyle Busch is proposing is that the guys, the 1 through 12, wherever they finish on the track should receive points 12 through 1. So last week's race, for instance, Hamlin would receive 12 points. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson would receive 11. Jeff Gordon would receive 10. And that way, it's sort of like a playoff. It's like a true playoff where those 12 guys have their are all set at zero except for the points awarded for winning a chase race or winning a race in the regular season to then it goes back to keep because easily you could have one bad race and your season's done yeah but with this system it could essentially be you have a bad race but then you could win two three in a row and you'd be right back in the hunt again yeah i mean as much as i hate kyle bush can't stand his attitude yeah i'm not a fan i certainly not a fan either he actually has a point in this doesn't he i agree i actually looking at it i really haven't been paying attention much to it but this, I think the system really makes sense because, like you mentioned, the big things with NASCAR, and I know uh, John Daly at the Daily Report, uh, Daily Planet, great website, Daily uh, DailyPlanet.blogspot.com, great website for NASCAR media stuff. And he's always talked about it's been a big challenge, uh, at, least, at least with the me- with uh, TV and ESPN. How do you cover the guys that aren't into Chase? And this is a- another thing, like, it's weird when you have these guys running, they're going to be a little more conservative. Because they are, they don't want to get that big wreck, and you get guys that are at the end of the season, they've got nothing to run for that don't make the chase. So I really think it makes a lot of sense to keep it tight, and so they're they're not racing everybody else; they're basically just racing against each other, the chase drivers. I think that really makes a lot of sense, and it will make it tight, so where there will be punishment for if you crash, but you're not done. But it's rewarded for a solid top five finish, and yeah. NASCAR has hangs its hat on its consistency. Also, win the now and then could easily play difference. But one thing definitely is shooting for a win. Jimmy Johnson essentially has a very high percentage to win this Sunday. Of course. Of which course. is very sad because because he's now the points leader. Yep. 
And this is about the time he'll get that win, and he will essentially cling on to it unless Denny Hamlin or or Keselowski does something yeah. to change it, essentially. But tune in on Sunday. Very excited for the Dover race. Jeff ran very well. I'd love to see him pick up a win. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, yes, uh, now college football time. Absolutely. Could not, could not forget about that. Quick little sidetrack. Not really college football. It's sort of high school football. I want to give a shout-out to Allen High School. And this story has been out ever since high school football started, which was back in September. Mm-hmm. Early September, late August. I feel like it should be brought to the attention, though, that Allen High School, which is about 15 to 20 minutes north of where I live in Allen Park. Fun fact about Allen, Texas. When Terrell Owens played in the indoor football league, he played for the Allen Wranglers. That's right. And so that that, that little arena that they played in, it was like, it was like two a couple blocks away from the high school in a $60 million stadium at the Allen Eagles built. Now, to put that into perspective of everyone... Because a lot of our uh, listeners don't understand the UIL, Universal Interscholastic League, which is sort of the governing body of yeah. Texas high schools. The highest level you can go is 5A, and that's okay. what and that's what Allen is. And those are the big, those are like the South Lake Carrolls where um, Greg McElroy came from, and I'm trying to think of any other uh, big schools. Um, Westlake, I think it's where Drew Brees went to high school. Uh, Westlake Carroll. Uh, Westlake and Austin, Austin Westlake. Okay, then I'm thinking of something else. Uh, and um, a good question, I, not Garrett Gilbert, but um, Graham Harrell, he went to a five, or went to a five A school. I didn't think he went to a four A, but four A and five A are sort of the big echelons. That's mm-hmm. where okay. guys like Matthew Stafford and Drew Brees, Graham Harrell, Greg McElroy, all those guys went to school. Chase Daniel, another one. Okay. Uh, so so Allen has a lot, essentially has a lot of money because Allen, Texas, it's a, it's a suburb of Dallas. So a lot, of course now the Metroplex is growing. A lot of kids go to this school. But $60 million on a high school football stadium. You know, they say everything's bigger in Texas, but this is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, Bill, you know, high school football, I know, in Texas is just such a, a ritual. Something I never had, because, A, because my high school football team's awful, and we're just not big where I'm from, at least for my uh, high school. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how where they got the money for it, if it was all, if it was like from private or from donations, the most is from the alumni association. From alum, then I've got no problem with it. As long as taxpayers weren't charged for this, I've got absolutely no problem with it. And you know what? They even said it at the first game. Looking at it, they had on opening night there were almost four thousand fans paid to stand. It's an eighteen thousand people stadium. It's a high school float. Yeah. I mean, it was huge when I went to high school. It's gonna be huge forever. Yeah, because because I mean, alumni associations are huge, and I guess I'm guessing that is where I got the money. Yeah. But um, at my school, they built a indoor purpose facility, which actually the Packers used when the Super Bowl was in Dallas. Okay. Because they needed a close. Ah, that's right. They that's needed right. A close facility. So shout out to Texas high school football, and the baseball will go before we get to these sentimental stories. I wanted to shout out to a couple of personal friends of mine, but um, R.A. Dickey picked up his twentieth win. I think it was last night. Yep, 13 last night. K's. I was talking to my boy Shamar Walters, who is a Yankees fan. Legend. Who despises uh, the Mets. But essentially, he said he could easily win the Cy Young. Do you feel like are I, you on that bandwagon? I think he will. I believe that it's been with him and it's been him and Clayton Kershaw pretty much all year for a Cy Young. Their numbers are pretty close, but Dickey has the edge in most of the numbers. He's got that 20th win. He's playing on a god-awful team. The Mets are a train wreck. but And I really think that he's had such a great year, not a lot of help, and you get that 20th win, which even though now we look at wins overrated and when we look at stats, because the wins are mostly a byproduct of your team. Like Felix Hernandez had that amazing season a couple of years ago. He only had 12 wins. Right. But still, that 20-win season still – it still means a lot. It's still pretty special what every pitcher's aiming to accomplish. Still, that twenty-one season. I really think that R.A. Dickey, you know, he had a great. He has a great start. I remember when he was in Texas early in his career, and he was just a train wreck. Well, not a train wreck. He was an okay pitcher, but he thought, oh well, I'm going to regenerate my career, do the knuckleball, fought around. He first he came up, he got destroyed by I remember by the Detroit Tigers. And then he's hung around. He's had good after good year with the Mets. And this year he's been awesome. 
And I really feel that it's uh, it's going to be him. Like Clint Kershaw, it's it's not like you know it's a big gap. It's close, but yeah, I I'd be surprised if Dickie didn't win it. Kershaw might actually join us later in the year, by the way. That would be awesome. He is an alumni of my high school. There we go. As it could get any better. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. You're trying to get Kind of like year. how Rick Porcello went to school with Eric Wilkins. Yes, shout out to Wilkins, avid listener of this show. Well, I hope his life is not like the help and it's gotten a lot better. Everything's good. Oh, good. But just to show how close that is, uh, Dickie got his 20th win. But this, looking at the ERAs between him and Kershaw, uh, the Dodgers pitcher, Kershaw, has 2.68, Dickie 2.69. <laughs> and the, on the uh, on Harbaugh, Harbaugh Talk on NBCSports.com, they're wondering if anyone had ever, reigning Cy Young winner, had ever led the league in ERA and not won an award again. And, he, and Kershaw, if he has a chance to win, he joins guys like Roger Clemens, Sandy Koufax, and Tom Seaver. But, of course, it's very exciting. And, I, of course, I think I like it that they're they're both on, I mean, not great teams this year. Yeah. Because it truly shows that. Well, the Dodgers have been a playoff contender all year. The Mets right. have just been a train wreck. But, they had a lot of problems, like, the first two games of the season, too. Yeah, yeah. And, but you look at Dickey. He's got the wins. He leads in starts. Leads in innings pitched. Leads in strikeouts. He... In Kershaw, he leads in ERA barely, and he also leads in WHIP barely. So, I but I really think that this is Dickey Dickey to lose. He's had a great season. I mentioned the great story, even that really it gets overrated. Like, oh, he's a great story. I mean, that mostly is a lot of crap, but it does play a figure. He's had an unbelievable season. Knuckleball has been awesome, and I really think it's Dickey to lose. All right, and as we slowly reach the end of the show, some soccer news for everyone, uh, for our demographic. Shout out to the George Mason men's soccer team. Uh, family, uh, family of flesh and blood tie into that. My brother's team. They are playing on Fox Soccer Channel tonight for the FSC Collegiate Game of the Week. There we go. As I think they did. They just got bounced out of the top twenty-five. Either that, they're on the bubble, twenty-fifth in some polls, uh-huh. not ranked in others. Because uh, they actually lost to Navy in double overtime. Okay. Uh, Patriot League, shout out to the Patriot League hey. on that. BL. And they play number 14, Old Dominion, who was oh. as high as 11 oh, in the, how that? the NSCAA Coaches Association poll. And they got upset by Drexel in the conference play. So this is a conference game that could ultimately decide, you know, where the teams control their own destiny in the CAA because there's a lot of teams in that conference compared to the eight in the Patriot League. But it's on national television. Yeah, and it's that was very excited. Shout out to John Gardner. I'm wearing my Mason Nation shirt today. Hey, yeah. Uh, for the viewers, I, I almost won the George Mason. Fun fact. Well, I almost went to George Mason. I actually saw a lot of Mason parents on campus. And I was Good. like, hey, by the way, uh, team's on TV. Also, another guy that went to American University, David Del Greco, who is now at Allegheny. It's a Division three school. He was named North Coast Athletic Conference Player of the Week for scoring four goals in two games. So, shout out to Delson. Uh, best of luck for him the rest of the season. Also, more soccer news, which I will criticize recovering, except last week when we had Jacqueline Cassell on the show. You can go and listen to her interview on the podcast on iTunes. We have a president, Michael Plantini, a legend in soccer, playing with the French national team back in the day, says he wants the 2022 World Cup to be staged in the winter because Qatar is too hot and they can't provide enough of the air conditioning stadiums that they propose. Yeah, I mean, it was a big, big concern because it gets extraordinarily hot in summer in places like Qatar. I think it might have been like 110 degrees, maybe average, or I could be. Death Valley weather. But it is extremely hot there in the summer. They talked about when they're building these, oh, they're going to have air conditioning set up there. So this really, it's got to be a problem. I mean, if, if it's, you know, in the winter. I don't think it will be that big of a deal. Yeah, especially in because uh, it was in June of, in uh, 2010, right? Yes. Well, it's always in the summer. It's yeah. always it's if, always if it's, June, it's, July. Yeah, it's always in the summer. But I think if they put it like in the winter, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem. But then again, I'm not a big soccer guy. Mm. I mean, I, I follow stuff like follow the World Cup, but I mean, for somebody like me, like it wouldn't be a big deal. But I really don't know. It could affect a lot of leagues though, because a lot of leagues that is true play in the winter. Premier League, low. La La Liga, according to Chris Aldove. Shout out to him. Yeah, it was great. Uh, sorry about the Cleveland Browns last night, though. Mm. Of course, you know, don't don't sleep on the Ravens. 
Anyway, speaking of the Ravens and a former quarterback of the Ravens, it was time for our critically acclaimed segment, Tweets from Flo. Basically, we go to Twitter and go to @bflo360, which you should follow. My boy hey. needs the followers. Uh, Take a look at his yeah. Twitter the past week and wonder if there's a backstory behind him. And the first one I'm noticing, Trent Dilford, a Hall of Famer. Uh, that was just a joke. Um, yes, we love jokes, especially with him. Yeah, because Trent Dilfer, I mean, I think he's a pretty good analyst. A lot of people don't like him, but they mostly don't like him, the fact, because he wasn't a great quarterback. And Mario wasn't a, was a bad, a good quarterback either. No, he was a running back. He was a running back. He was a mediocre player. And I think he's all, he's, he, can, he can get a little weird, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Dilfer's a solid analyst. I mean, he was never a very good quarterback. He was pretty much bust, even though he won that Super Bowl. And but yeah, I just said that, you know. Doesn't have a face or TV. I'm not a big fan of the bald head. Yeah, I don't mind it. The bald head. Uh, the bald head goatee. Goatee look. I I thought about trying that. Can't get a goatee going. I'm gonna get to the bald head. I'd love to see Flo with a shaved head. That though. would be great. Might have to do a promotion later in the year for that. Yeah. Uh, Florida. It's Florida. You asked the question: Is Florida State a national title? Yeah, contender? that was a blog post. Uh, I thought after that big win against Clemson. Uh, I think they absolutely are. I mean, they're four right now. One of the SEC teams is going to lose because they play each other. So, and Oregon could very well fall to USC. So, and you look at Florida State's schedule. Or Stanford, even, even though they got upset last night. Uh, oh, that. Oh yeah, that is true. I thought you were talking about Stanford National Time. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> hold on there, Cowboy. But... Uh, oh, good plug, man. From Texas. There you go. See, I just thought about that when I was saying. But anyways... Um, I really don't see them losing. It will be a tough game when they go into Blacksburg and, uh, I don't know when, but they go to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech, I really don't think is that good. And then they'll play. Not in recent years, at least. Yeah. They'll play, inevitably play Virginia Tech in the, in the, uh, ACC championship game in Charlotte. So I, I don't see them losing. So I think they could very well be in the mix. But you know what, Florida State. Look, recently, they'll have, like, an off game against somebody mediocre. Like that, like Georgia Tech or someone yeah. like that. Yeah, well, but Georgia Tech's not awful. Like, hey, Paul Johnson. I, there you go. I'm, I'm a big Paul Johnson fan. But, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely in the mix. I don't know if they're complete. I think they're back. I don't think they're back to when they were, you know, finishing the top five for, like, 15 straight years under Bobby Bowden. But I think they're definitely starting to arrive back. All right, in the final tweet as well, uh, ranking the NHL goal horns and songs. This yeah. was a sort of a uh, yeah. out of the ordinary. Box I was I had finished a paper on Wednesday night, and I was walking around campus. I went for a little walk before it started a, a storm, and I done that very well. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what? I want to mix it up. I want to do a hockey post. Uh, I should post more about hockey, and but I don't want to do a lockout post. I already did kind of a lockout post. Like, hey, how about, you know, everyone knows it's got a unique goal horn or go sound when they score. Like, then they'll, they'll have a horn, and then they play the song. So I did, I listened to all of them, and I put it in uh, power rankings. Number one was uh, Chicago Blackhawks, which I knew it was going to be anyways. Because actually, actually, no, really what I got inspired by it, their goal horn is, uh, you know the song uh, Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis? You know, yes. da, 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 da. I think that's the best goal horn. I was listening to that song. I'm like, ah, yeah, Blackhawk. I should do this. So One of the original six that has the organ. Yes, absolutely. Love the organ. There's actually one team. Not all the original six team, but uh, St. Louis Blues, actually. Their goal song is the Saints come marching in on, on the goal, on uh, the organ. That's very cool. I love the isn't organ. Mad- isn't Madison Square Garden the other one? Or one Madison of the other Square teams? Garden, they don't really. Well, I mean, everyone uses it has an organ. Matt, MSG, they have their own, which I, I put them at number two because they've got their own. Uh, it, it's original to them. They have their own goal horn. It, it's pretty good. And I hate the Rangers, but it's pretty good. All right, where do you have Aaron Vales? Aaron Vale, I have Sabres. the Buffalo Sabres. I listened to that. I'm like, it was one of the first I listened to. I'm like, this, I, I re- I'm really not a fan of it. And I had him low, and she got mad about when I brought it up. I had him at 27 oh, out of 30. Geez. Where do you have the Dallas Stars? Because theirs has changed over the past year because they got new ownership. Yeah. Tom Hicks, of course, went to the doghouse. Tom Hicks. And back in the day, they when I was growing up, when they won the Stanley Cup in 99, they used to have Rock and Roll Part 2, the uh, Gary Glitter yeah, song. Yeah, that's what and everybody, that, like so many teams have. I have them at 26. I have no idea what the new they, board is now. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but like, there's so many teams that use Rock and Roll Part 2. Love that song. Like five or six. So that's why I didn't give any of them that did that. I didn't rank them highly. But, 
Yeah, so I had him at 26. I, I'll play it at some point. And also as we end the show, I guess it's not really a repping story, but Phil, you had a very funny story about your days at middle school having to do with flag football, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so one time we were talking about refs. Yes, because this ties perfectly into the yeah, I, I, Because we had a contest last week. If we could find anyone in the world that was better suited for a ref than your uh, placement officials, obviously our winner was Douglas Belly and accepted his prize next week. But Flo, he said Flo could even be a better official, and yeah. tell so us why. What happened was, uh, it really isn't involved with that, but <laughs> I was a ref one time because we have DirecTV, and as per subscribing to NFL Sunday Ticket at home, we don't have any more, but they we got like an actual penalty flag in the mail. It was weird. So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, it's a little bag of sand. Yeah, yeah. No way. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use this. Like, cause where am I going to use it? Because so, in middle school, we play, uh, played flag football, or not flag football, we played two-man touch football all the time. I'm like, oh, this would be a great time. So I used that for a few games. Last one was, it was uh, a kid. Remember when Joe Horn, he had a touch and celebration, pulled his phone out from underneath the goal post. He had fun yes. for that. A kid did that. In middle school, he did the thing with the phone. I threw the flag, and then he threw the flag on the roof. Like a 15-year-old kid. Not even 15. This was like, a 15, that's like 12, 13. <laughs> this, was, this was in middle school. I don't, I don't think I could even have those same antics in It was school. great. Great times. That was good. That was cool. That's definitely a great I mean, way. Middle school sucked, but <laughs> it was fun. It was a good old years, though. Yeah. I was going to say, you can't hate on them. But uh, basically, that'll do it for us uh, here at FNAC Radio. As always, once again, you can go to check out our podcast on iTunes. More importantly, go to facebook.com slash fanaticradio to find the links to listen to this website through blogtalkradio.com. Go to bflow360.com, read his blog post. Very humorous, uh, as opposed to uh, Eric Wilkins. At very minimum, uh, reach in. But also, you can follow Flow on Twitter at bflow360, myself at fanaticradio.ng. Starting to see why am I at AU hashtag, which apparently is catching on. Didn't mean to start that trend. <laughs> but once again, we'll be back next week, hopefully with more prestigious guests. Aaron Vale might even join us. I hope so. We, we need her fire. Get a Buffalo Sabres insider. But once again, you can call in next week as always. Tune in next week as always. 4 to 5 on Pop Talk Radio. This has been Mag Radio, America's favorite and premier sports premier. But from our Washington, D.C. studio via Radio Saigon, Smile Garden and Ben Plutank. So long. We'll see you next week.